Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Score Podcast. And as always, I'm drawn by Chris Toner. Chris, how are we? Yeah, not bad. Yourself? I'm very well. So we'll just dive right in, sit, Chris. Celtic's chief executive, Dominic Mackay, has resigned. What's your thoughts? I don't think anybody seen that one coming. No, it was kind of one of those ones that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Friday afternoon, the news broke, and I was just like, what's this all about? He's only been in the job, what, just a shade over 10 weeks that he was in the job. Um, it didn't know if it was for, uh, well, it did come out and say personal reasons, but there has been talks that he was, him and Dermot Desmond weren't exactly seeing eye to eye, so it's definitely an interesting one. Yeah, like I was very surprised at the news, so I was, and it seems like he was forced out, uh, and I think he, he had like new fresh ideas for Celtic, and Desmond was just not having it at all. Yeah, I'd heard that one that he basically wanted to revolutionise Celtic, which I think at this stage is what Celtic need, but Dermot Desmond wasn't having for having it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he also deleted his uh, Twitter account as well, uh, because when the news broke, I was like, what's going on here? Like, uh, Is there more infighting going on <clears throat> Celtic? And it seems like there is right now, because it seems like nothing's changed at all. You thought once Celtic appointed Mackay, you were thinking, okay, Celtic could kick on now. This is a new era for the club. But Celtic have just went backwards in a sense because the, the new guy that they've uh, appointed is apparently <laughs> a big yes man. Yeah, I've heard that one as well, yeah. So it feels like a step backwards just when it looked like we were taking the much-needed steps forward that we needed to take. Yeah, no, exactly. And I also heard that um, Desmond said that he should take some advice from Peter Lawwell, and Lawwell, in a sense, could mentor him. And Mackay was like, no, I don't want that. I want to be my own guy. And I think that quite annoyed uh, Desmond. Yeah, I think that would have as well. But uh, I don't think Lawwell's a guy you should be taking pointers from. Yeah, (laughs) especially after what's happened uh, in the past year or so. So we'll uh, move on to the football. Celtic beat Ross County 3-0 at the weekend. See, to be honest, Chris, um, on paper, uh, you would be thinking, yeah, this will be a comfortable day at the office for Celtic. But even though it was 3-0, Celtic certainly had to work for it. Yeah, we did. I um, wasn't at the game or anything. Um, I had work, um, so only got in, seen the last half hour or so on the season ticket pass that you can still access. Um, but uh, just I watched the highlights back. Um, I think the scoreline, even Ross County, would feel a wee bit hard done by, by it, seeing as they kind of held their own for much of the game. Um, wasn't much in it in the first half, only really that shot Abada had that deflected onto the bar and then the goal behind to a foot goal um, they definitely definitely feel hard done by going behind like that Yeah and that was uh, Carter Vickers um, first goal and it was a very very lucky goal as well it took a major deflection just uh, which went right over uh, Laidlaw you know and I think Ross County would have felt a bit hard done by because I thought on the day they were very well organised and I thought Mackay credit where it's due set the team up well and he did yeah he did for a long period of time yeah it was like as I say he's only caught half an hour so it was well over an hour Um, obviously Carter Vickers got that goal quite a good solid debut man of the match performance from him Um, I I did love um, 
after the goal, but when the camera did cut to our star man at the moment, Kyogo picked up an injury on international duty for Japan. Um, it's going to be out for the best part of a month, I think. Um, just the way he was sitting celebrating in his seat, um, that's kind of the sights you love to see what, when a new boy's just not long in the door and he's celebrating like that. It shows he's bought into the club in a big way. So how long is he out for? I think it's um, a month or so, or is it, is it longer? Um, well, Ange said it was seven or eight games, which I think equates to about a month. So, But uh, the sooner we're getting back, the better. Um, he got the two goals in the end. Um, so I don't know if like, he'll be the one that's featured at the moment. Obviously, we've got Jack and Marcus. Um, I think he'll get a wee bit of a run into the team. Um see what he can do seeing as we did pay good money for him and he's um, obviously he was the top scorer in the division so you don't want a talent like that wasted sat on the bench for too long and I have to say uh, not long after uh, Carter Vickers scored there was uh, a wee scare for Celtic where um, uh, Samuel uh, head, Samuel's header got saved by Joe Hart and it was a very solid save so it was so I can imagine when it, when Celtic fans were at the stadium watching that, oh God, got away with that one. But like, to credit when it's true, Joe Hart stepped up when he was needed. Yeah, that's kind of what you want to see out of Joe Hart. That's why we signed him. He made these kind of saves in those situations that the keepers we had were making those sort of saves. Because um, I think if it was last season, um, obviously Ross County were a bit of a hoodoo team for us. They were uh, the team that ended up stronghold on the domestic trophies um, they were basically the team that got winning out the job so kind of a bit of like revenge game in a way um, it was good we didn't let them back in because if it was last season would have probably been a 1-1 or they could have snuck a 2-1 on the day then obviously uh, Ajeti uh, scored two goals, which I imagine you must have been delighted with. So see against Real Betis, which we will uh, touch on very soon. Can you see him featuring uh, tomorrow night? I, th- I think he'll probably get the start, um, yeah, with Diogo out. Um, don't think you force um, Giacomacus in to make his debut on a European night. Um, but yeah, Kyogo's not the only one that's missing. Cal McGregor's going to be missing. Abada's going to be missing. So it's a bit concerning. Um, some of the players that are going to be out. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll uh, touch on the game tomorrow against Real Betis. Um, it's a big one for Celtic, so it is. And Real Betis, are, are a, are, they are a good side. So what's your overall thoughts going into this, Chris? Because it's, it's massive. Yeah, I think that um, the way Celtic's built at the moment, we don't have the same level of depth that, that Rangers do. Um, I think we're kind of built at the moment, the way the squad's built, that players can st- step in when they're called upon in these kind of situations such as injuries. But um, I think it's more for like, domestic games that we're built for in that sense. I don't really think that we've got the depth of squad to really get results in Europe without like our key players especially away from home so uh, to be honest I don't think we're going to win tomorrow night probably a loss what do you think so um, but uh, like to be honest I would not be surprised if uh, Real Betis win comfortably, comfortably tomorrow because 
as I said, they've got good, uh, they've got some good players, a good side. Um, I think some of the key men that Celtic really need to watch out for. William uh, Calvario, um, a vastly experienced and powerful defensive midfielder with a brilliant range of passing. It's <laughs> it's easy to see why. Uh, he's been a mainstay in the Portuguese uh, setup since 2013. Um, Hector Bellerin, um, I think he's a guy with a real point to prove. A real point to prove, Chris. Um, he's, he's he didn't have a great time at Arsenal. He's on loan from Arsenal, so I think he'll be looking to prove a lot of doubters wrong. He's blessed with incredible pace and stamina, and he seems to be. It seems it seems like he's got a real big influence uh, on the team. Uh, so we do uh, like a lot of the players speak very highly of him. Pellegrini speaks highly of him as well, and another player as well, uh, Fakar. Uh, he's 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 a striker. His goals have kind of dried up as of late, but he's a World Cup winner, Chris. You can't underestimate someone like that, you know. So that's a guy that Celtic would need to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, and also as well, Sergio Canellis. He's, I would say, he is Real Betis, Real Betis best player. He's seen as the danger man. Um, he scored a sublime goal against Granada on Monday night where Real Betis won 2-1. You know, uh, so, yeah, I think Celtic are going to be in for a tough night, especially missing some key players as well. Um, who will have the armband tomorrow night then since Cal McGregor is injured? Um interesting um Cal, Cal McGregor was Rogic on the pitch or Rogic got subbed off. Um Joe Hart wound up with armbands on Saturday at one point. Yeah, I can imagine Joe Hart would most likely get the armband for, uh, for, uh, for tomorrow night. But in terms of a, a prediction, you said that Celtic would get beat, but what scoreline do you see it being? Um Probably being a bit generous on ourselves and saying lose by two, but if we lost by three, it probably wouldn't be too surprising. But I would say, I would, yeah, I would probably agree. I think it will be, I think it'll be three one. I think it'll be three one to Real Betis, Chris. I would say a, a, a big positive for you is, is the fact that one of one of uh, Real Betis uh, key players, well, key defenders. Um, Mark Batra is he's injured, so that could that's a slight positive for Celtic. Mm-hmm. Batra's a very good defender, so if he's going to be out, then we'll look to exploit that hole. Yeah, I think that's uh, an area that Celtic will need to try and take advantage of. But if Celtic were to somehow get a point tomorrow, that's a huge feather in the cap for Postacoglu. Yeah, absolutely. These are the key. Kind of teams were up against to get out of these these groups. Um, obviously, I think Leverkusen are the clear favourites to win the group. Um, so Real Betis are kind of like our main competition, and getting a point tomorrow night would go a long way in our hopes of getting out of the group and into the next round. Yeah. So um, we'll move on, and we'll speak about Rangers. Chris, this is where you become the host and ask me the questions. So, yeah, um, it was always a tough weekend. Well, not a tough weekend in the sense of it was stressful, that St. Johnson game, but we got there in the end. Yeah, it was. Um, the first half, there was only really that chance from Ruth um, St. Johnson, a bit like 
County being a bit stubborn defensively. What was your thoughts going into half-time on Saturday? Well, so the first half, um, we struggled to really create any clear-cut chances. Um, we needed to show more quality and creativity in the final third, which we were not doing. The tempo was very slow. Uh, we, we had to move the ball much quicker. It was a real... It was a real grind. It was a. It was. It wasn't good to watch, you know. Um, and credit where it's due, St Johnston throughout the whole game, I'll say, defended well. They were difficult to break down, uh, especially, especially in the first half. They didn't give our midfield uh, any space whatsoever. Morelos was isolated. Roof and Kent were struggling to create really anything. Obviously, you touched on that chance that Roof had, but it. Yeah, it was a real. It was tough. It was real tough. And then second half, the game came alive. Um, O'Halloran, <laughs> a blast from the past. Uh, yeah, that revenge. <laughs> yeah, and credit where it was a good finish. I thought Hollander um, probably should have done better to get rid of it. You know, but I was just thinking the worst at that moment in time, Chris, <laughs> when Michael O'Halloran scored. Um and that's the thing, though. No, I think St. Johnston were trying to exploit the fact that Hollander is a bit slow and O'Halloran has bags of pace. So, yeah, it certainly worked in that aspect. And Hollander got injured. Um, he's going to be out for two months, uh, which is a huge blow. In fact, uh, three months he's going to be out for. He's not going to be back until December. Um, Hollander, he's, I think he's a phenomenal defender. Right? He's tremendous. I can't speak high enough of him. The only small thing, I, the only small critique that I can give him is, well, sorry, I would say the only small criticism is he's not the fastest, but he, he makes up for it and he's how, with how solid he is in the air and he's, he's tackling spot on. He reads the game superbly well, you know. So, yeah, St. Johnson took the lead, but Rangers woke up right after that, Chris, um, and we got a penalty. It was a clear stonewall penalty, Um the St. Johnson player catches Ryan Kent's leg. I don't know what he was thinking. And it was, it was, it, it, Kamar Roof stepped up, took the penalty, lovely penalty. And then there were some handbags uh, not long after that. Craig, uh, I thought Liam Craig was embarrassing. He, oh, he, the way he went down, he was trying to get Morelos sent off. And um, I thought, Steve, if that was a couple of seasons ago, I think the referee would have ended up just thinking, oh, Typical Morelos, like he's lost his head and would have sent him off, but credit where it's true. Willie Collum handled it really well and he gave uh, four players a yellow card. But yeah, on Liam Craig, though, experience pro, 34 years of age, come on, like going down where there was literally near enough no contact. That's pathetic, man. I'd expect better for someone from someone like that, you know? And then it was just all us. It was all us. And, my God, James Tavernier, for me, he scored the best goal of his Rangers career. It was sensational. I, I couldn't believe that went in, Chris. But what was your reaction when you seen it? And James Tavernier scored so many terrific goals for Rangers, but that one is his best, in my opinion. But what was your thoughts when you seen it? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I only actually saw it earlier, um, watching results back, taking some notes and... Obviously, I knew he scored the goal, but I didn't realise it was a screamer from that kind of range. So I was like, well, he did score some good goals last season in that when he was like scoring goals for fun and was top scorer when he was a right-back in the league. But 
Um, I'd agree with you that that's probably the best Tavernier goal in his time at Rangers. Yeah, it was just the, like it was just like so like technically brilliant where he just dipped the keeper and Xander Clark's a big keeper as well. He just dipped the keeper and it went right in top corner. Chris, I don't think any keeper saving that. It was just like great from Tavernier where he just seen like Xander Clark was slightly out of position. And he was like, right, I'm just going to chance it. He's a big guy. And usually nine times out of ten, you would think he would probably get something on that. But no, like, Tavernier took his chance. And, yeah, it was it was massive as well. Like, it was a massive goal for us where, like, throughout the whole game, we didn't, we didn't play well, let's be honest. But it was, it was a champion's performance. We had to work for it, especially going 1-0 down. It was a real grind. Um, St. Johnson did not make it easy for us, but we got there in the end. Uh, and it, come the end of the season, I think that could potentially prove to be a huge three points. Yeah, absolutely. It's those kind of games that decide leagues at the end of the day. So um... I just want to just touch on one more thing as well. Um, I just want to say this, right? Ryan Kent, um, he's had a slow start to the campaign, you know, but he's still one of, one of our best players. Um, I love Ryan Kent to bits, but... He needs to get back into his mojo. He just seems like he's a wee bit, I don't know, like run down for confidence right now. He's struggling to beat guys. Um, it's He's not his usual self, but he is a player that likes to rise to the occasion in a big game. So tomorrow against Leon, I'm, I'm expecting a, a really good ranking performance. But I'll, I will say, say this on St. Johnston. Uh, I uh, are doing predictions at the start of the season. I've been saying that they are they, they, they won't make the top six. And to be honest, Chris, even though they, they were well organised and they played okay against us uh, on Saturday, I still don't think they're going to make the top six. I just, I don't know. I just feel like they're lacking that real cutting edge in the final third. O'Halloran is a, a real decent player bags of pace in that, but I don't think he is enough to send St. Johnson to the top six. Well, that's fair enough. Um, so, Europa League action tomorrow night, same as Celtic. Leon, what's your thoughts ahead of that one? Um, it's going to be re- it's going to be a re- real difficult game, to be honest, Chris. Um, last time we played, played Leon was 2007, and Funny enough, Alan McGregor was actually in goals for us that night, <laughs> and he's going to be playing tomorrow, you know. So, yeah, be last time we played on the beat of 3 0 at Ibrox. Jean Claude Darchville's uh, famous miss from about two yards, open net. Uh, I, I seen Darchville was talking about that um, during the week, and that was a worst moment of his career, quite rightly so. But when we went over to France at the start of the group, and we, we played Leon. We beat them 3 0. Daniel Kuzan, Demarcus Beasley, Lee McCulloch. One of the best nights uh, for Rangers in Europe, hands down, you know. But this is going to be, this will be a tough game. Musa Dembele is out, Chris. Um, there was a lot of talk in the media about Musa Dembele. Musa Dembele scoring against us at Ibrox, you know. Um, but yeah, look, don't get me wrong, but I think Dembele is a top quality player, so that, that is a positive uh, for us. But I did see a lot of Rangers fans joking social media, saying, oh, 
that Bailey's bottled it because he realizes that he's not up against Rob Kiernan and uh, <laughs> Senderos anymore. <laughs> but yeah, this is a different Rangers team since um, Dembele's uh, since <laughs> Dembele last played against, as you know. But yeah, he's out tomorrow. But yeah, Leon have some major threats uh, in their team, so they do. Uh, their midfield is strong. Uh, so it is. Uh, they've got Usim Owar. Uh, he's a real standout. He's a creative midfielder, best known for his tidy technical attributes and his attacking flair. Often played as a central midfielder and a free. Uh, Owar is usually the most offensive-minded of the players deployed in the team and carries the attacking burden, which our midfield need to watch out for. Um, Gomares, he's another one. He's seen as a mixture of a deep-line playmaker and box-to-box midfielder. He can play from a deeper position and constantly seeks to play quick forward passes, especially accurate long <coughs> balls, which I'm confident Big Connor Goldson will be able to deal with. Uh, so that's one thing as well. Like last season when we played against Benfica, their quick fire passes and the short passes that they, that they played against us really affected us and we struggled against that. So hopefully Stephen Gerrard, Michael Beale and Gary McAllister have been working with the team on that, how to eradicate that and stop something like that happening. And another one, Brazilian international, Luis Paqueta. That's a player I'm worried about. Um, he scored the, the goal, that, which sent Brazil to the Copa America final in the summer. He's a real talented player. Um, we, he, we need to be very cautious of him. Um, our defence need to be very wary of uh, Luis Paqueta and Shakiri as well. He's he recently just signed uh, for Leon. Shakiri's out. Oh, is he out? Yep. Oh, that's uh, a positive because he was actually um, playing it the the weekend, so he was. So he must have picked up an opening. Yeah, I'm sure they've seen he was out, but um, yeah, that's a big boost for his having players like him and Dembele out. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And Thiago Mendes as well. What what more can what more needs to be said? Like he's another tremendous midfielder as well. And see the way that Leon like set up. They like set with set up, <coughs> pardon me, set up with a four two three, uh, four two three one, which is a very like I'm a big fan of four two three one. I think it's a great formation as well. And Leon plays some good stuff. You know that they're not coming to Ibrox to just get a point. They're coming here to get three points. You know, and it's a big game for both clubs because <clears throat> we've not played each other in a competitive game since 2007, like as I just said, you know, and uh, Denier as well, Jason Denier uh, plays for Leon, uh, another decent centre-half. He played with Celtic in the 2014-15 season as well. So, look, see when Denier was at Celtic, were you a fan of him, Chris? Um, no, not really, to be honest. He was kind of like a bit of an inferior Van Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> like, take back what I, oh sorry you go take back what I said about Shakiri apparently he is in the squad now but I think there's five out yeah like because um, like, that's what I was thinking like um, see when obviously we're touching on Shakiri, I was like are you sure he's out you know I was just thinking that in my head so like but yeah like, that's another player player that we need to watch out for it's it's mainly like Leon's wingers and their attacking mid ads. I was talking about a while there. He, we need to be very cautious of that, you know. And our midfield's going to be in for a tough night, Chris. I have to admit, our midfield will be in for a, a difficult night. Um, 
so we'll need to be on our A game. So the, like the midfield, I would want us to go with tomorrow would be Joe Aribo, Steve Davis, Glenn Kamara, obvious ones, right? Um, but see if one of our players start looking a bit tired. Just say Joe Aribo, for example, that's what I'm just single out. Just say he's not having a great game, right? And he's struggling to intercept tackles and he's it's not going well for him. I think the ideal player to bring on in that kind of environment who will add lots of energy and who will just be a pain in the neck for the Leon midfield and their defence is Scotty Arfield. Like, I wouldn't start him. I rate Scotty Arfield a lot, but I wouldn't start him tomorrow. But depending on how the game is going, bring Scotty Arfield on because he's just... Like, he's like a wee pit bull where he just does not leave players alone, you know? So, but yeah, I'm very confident that Stephen Davis angling Kamara... There are two players that like to turn up on the big occasion, same with Ryan Kent, but Davis and Kamara need to be on their A game tomorrow. Um, obviously, earlier on, we were speaking about Hollander. He's out injured. Um, big blow. So, Leon Balligan will be coming into the side and he'll be playing alongside Connor Golson. Um, and our front three, obviously, Ruth, Morelos and Kent. And we all know, Chris, when it comes to the Europa League, Alfredo Morelos owns that competition <laughs> like he's scored the most goals in Rangers history in Europe so if we get the good service to Morelos and they just say the Leon defence gets is having a torrid time we'll see Morelos uh, get a goal or two hopefully um, John McLaughlin started at the weekend um, I, I imagine Al McGregor will be coming into the fold tomorrow night um, there's no surprise about that you know but but in terms of our prediction um, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Rangers win 2 1. Rangers win 2 1. Might be, might be me just being a bit optimistic, maybe a bit of the blue tinted specs on, you know, but full capacity at Ibrox tomorrow, 50,000. We've not had a, a European night in front of the fans, like a, a proper European night uh, in front of the fans since right before COVID against Leverkusen. The place will be rotten tomorrow. I think the fans, like, I think no, sorry, I think the players will be right up for it. The atmosphere will spill them on and get the three points. So I'm going two one Rangers, Chris. Yeah, I did think you'd probably go a bold prediction. Rangers yeah. getting the result. Yep. Oh, can I just uh, say one other thing as well, by the way, right? Absolutely. Uh, Jerome Botang, don't know if you've seen this. He was recently, he's obviously plays for Leon, uh, centre half. He was recently found guilty for assaulting his ex girlfriend and was ordered to pay 1.8 million euros. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen something about that. Yeah, so see tomorrow, it, like, the, the one thing I was quite surprised about actually. See, because he got found guilty, um, well, whilst under contract at Leon, I was, I was surprised that Leon didn't terminate his contract. You know, so I imagine tomorrow at Ibrox that he might not get a great reception <laughs> because of obviously no. what he recently done. No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything else that you want to ask me, Chris, uh, on Rangers? No, you wouldn't need to. Ask much myself, I would get it all out of you. So, because <laughs> once I get going, mate, once I get going, I would say, I there's like, there's no stopping me. <laughs> so, um, we'll move on. And uh, some positive news, Chris. Um, 
obviously last week. Uh, Scotland uh, beat Austria 1-0. Um, that was a, a real nerve-wracking game, Chris, so it was. But Scotland got there in the end. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that we got it done. But uh, yeah, really, really important result. Puts us kind of in the driving seats, kind of the masters of our own destiny for when it comes to getting this playoff spot. Because I don't think there's any catch in Denmark now. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so it's a, it's a big positive because that was a that was a must win game for us, you know. Because if we, I said on the podcast last week, if we had drawn that, it just would have been completely done for us. But now we've got that glimmer of hope after getting the three points, you know. And I will say this right, I don't want to be Mister Negative all the time when it comes to Scotland. But thank God Austria right now are in a bad place, and thank God they're crap because. Some of, some of the chances that they had, especially in the final third, if they were on form, I think they really were a part of us, to be honest. Yeah, I think they're right there. Yeah, because look, like they created 17 chances, right? I know only three were on target, but that's what I mean. And if they were firing in all cylinders, they and they were in a good place, they would have won that comfortably, you know. But what do you make of the penalty? Um, I, it, see, but, but at first, I, I was like, I wasn't convinced, but after watching the replays back, he was all over Che Adams and there was enough contact there for him to go down. So for me, it was a penalty. Yeah, point of initial viewing, I didn't think it was about chin it. And then <clears throat> I was a bit grateful for VAR when that got brought out. Um, and upon further view, I was like, I, I think there's enough in it for that. And Good enough, the referee agreed that there was. So, yeah, definitely yeah. grateful for it. No, 100%, man, like 100%. It was a big, a big plus as well. <clears throat> and uh, Andy Walker, oh, my God, like, you should have heard him in comments. Like, oh, man, like, I've seen a lot of people, um, like a lot of Scotland fans, right, were complaining about the, the way ITV were at the Euros where when Stirling went down, Lee Dixon was like, I don't care if it's not even a penalty, just give it, just give it. But look at Andy Walker, like uh, he I get I guarantee any money he was criticizing like the, the, the likes of Sam Matterface and Lee Dixon for the way they were acting uh, during the Euros with England. But Andy Walker, look at him, but he was he was just like, oh just give us it, give us it, and that. And you're like, oh man, like I just I, of course it's everyone knows that Andy Walker, uh Ely Barber, etc., are supporting Scotland, but come on, man, at least try and be a bit more professional if you know what I'm saying yeah and then the whole what saying the player should have been sent off for it for a second booking and all this yeah it was like it was almost like Andy Walker had like had money on it or something you know <laughs> yeah but yeah that was a good result for Scotland Dykes took the penalty well you know just like just straight down the middle just no nonsense like so yeah big positive for that and um, we'll move on and we'll Briefly touch on the Edinburgh Derby. Chris, it finished nil-nil, but my God, for a nil-nil Edinburgh Derby, it was fairly entertaining. Yeah, quite exciting game. Um, plenty of chances both sides, some exciting chances and some terrific goalkeeping on show. Oh, yeah, like Craig Gordon and Macy were phenomenal, man. Like, they were phenomenal. Like, Gary mckay Stephen, like... He must have been kicking himself. Like he had like three, like three chances he had, right? Which he probably should have buried. And Macy saved him. And then obviously Craig Gordon at the other end 
had that absolute blinder as well. Like we made, like he made a couple of good saves um, from Boyle's shot. Um, like Gordon was just phenomenal, and there was some good football on display from both both sets of teams. And see, at the start of the season, I was like, yeah, I think Hearts will get top six, but Hearts are right in contention for at least making the top four. Like I, I think the race for third is between Hibs and Hearts because they are so evenly matched. It surprised me massively. Yeah, Sunday proved that. Um, and it shows a lot of how far Hearts have came from in such a short space of time, from being demoted, promoted again, that um, obviously a result, positive result, win for either team would have seen them go top of the, either of them go top of the table. And it was quite a lot for Robbie Nielsen to come out and say that he was unhappy at the end of the game, only being second. Yeah, no, exactly. I know it just shows you like the like how well he's progressed this heart side, you know, and he was the right man to like take hearts from the championship back to the premiership, you know. Um so I uh, like I think I've said it plenty of times in the podcast and I'm gonna keep saying it. Hearts fans are eating their words right now after last season, just demanding that Nielsen d- demanding that she gets sacked. Look at the job he's doing right now. Hearts have had a great start to the season and they're, I'm, they're definitely going to make the top four. That's for sure. Especially when you look, when you see the likes of Aberdeen, right? Aberdeen, a lot of people are tipping them for, for the, top, the top four this season. I'm still not convinced about Stephen Glass. Like Aberdeen got beat 2 0 at the weekend uh, off of Motherwell. You know, like I know Aberdeen are they're playing a more offensive style compared to what it was like under Derek McInnes. And I see Aberdeen fans are content with it, but. Like, you, you want to get results, man. Like, they've not had a horrific start, Aberdeen, right? But, like, but come on, man. Like, at least Derek McInnes, even though the football was turgid, you could still get your results, even though it wasn't the most prettiest football, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, 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 going back to the, the, the Edinburgh Derby, though, who was your man in the match with the two keepers then, Chris? Do uh, you know who I'm going to yeah. say, actually? I'm going to go for uh, I'm going to go for Macy. I thought that boy really impressed me. So did Gordon, don't get me wrong, he did, but Macy uh, in that Edinburgh derby was just, I thought he was like top class, especially considering that was his very first one. Yeah, um, obviously Marciano's at Hibs as well, also a very good keeper, but um, I'd probably give the oh, nod he's to... He's at Bynor now. Uh, they mentioned some other keeper's name on sports scene then, I just assumed it was Marciano. Yeah, like he was a, he was a great keeper for, um, for Hibs, so he was, but... Yeah, it's crazy to think though. Like we'll touch on Gordon again. Like how, like like how much he's improved as he's got older. Um, because when he was at Celtic towards the end, a lot of Celtic fans just wrote him off. He's finished. He's done. And a lot of people thought he's just going to go to Hearts. He's just going to do a season there in the Championship. Then that'll be him done and dusted. But he is just like on top, top form right now. Like, I, like, I can't stop raving about how good he is. And like, thank God Steve Clark finally, finally seen sense and dropped David Marshall and has brought in Craig Gordon. Yeah, um, obviously Marshall's not playing, so he's found his way out the squad altogether. Um, but I actually seen a graphic from about Craig Gordon. Um, I think he's got like most saves in the league at the moment. He's got like... 21 saves, I think the graphic said it was. Um, right down the bottom was Joe Hart with only six. I mean, that's obviously testament to the fact that 
as a Celtic goalkeeper, you're not going to be expected to be called upon very often. But when you are called upon, then you will be expected to make those saves. And I feel like as though Hart definitely has. But um, yeah, I think it's just testament how good Craig Gordon still is at his age. Um, I think he's 38 going on 39, similar age to Al McGregor and both still playing at a top, top level. Um, he's definitely solidified that Scotland number one jersey for me anyway. And he's definitely not just there to see out his career and to cash in on a wee bit for the last few years. He'll be there for maybe two, three more years. Still could still play at a top level. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, man. Like him and McGregor are, I think they, those two are fantastic role models for young kids. If you put the work in and you don't go out partying, especially when you get to that age, you can be playing up to the age of like 40, 41, you know, and those two are still in the prime at the age of 37, 38. Incredible, you know. So, um, before we, we head off, Chris, um, the government had a, a vote, obviously, last week on vaccine passports, and it went through. Uh, the vote passed, um, which was a complete disgrace against people's human rights. Um, what's your take on it? Yeah, I was disappointed to see it go through. Obviously, it's going to create a bit of a two-tiered society now. Um, as far as football goes, um, I think the Scottish government are still in consultation with the governing bodies of football and that and individual clubs as to how exactly it's going to be implemented. Yeah, I know. Um, it's just going to be a complete mess. Um, I don't know how they're going to work it. I think, As I said last week in the pod, I think uh, quite a few clubs are going to be financially hit by this. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. It's a real disgrace. Um. But yeah, it is what it is, sadly, you know, and uh, I didn't ever think it would get to this stage, but sadly, sadly it has, Chris. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder how long it'll last. I wonder how long this is going to last. Like, is this going to be lasting until the end of the season? Is this going to be going on to next season? Who knows? Like, everything's just so up in the air right now. Everything's just so unpredictable. Like, you, you yeah. just don't know. No, no idea. Um, it's it's a great, great feeling if that some sort of semblance of normality, um, getting to go back to football in large numbers and that, and then for it all to be took away from some people altogether, um, even if it's only temporarily, if they do feel forced into taking this vaccine so that they can continue to attend matches and watch their beloved club, um. I think it's going to be subject to three-weekly reviews every three weeks, but um, definitely don't see it going away anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. And just thank you, all, all the all the punters out there that have paid fortunes for their season ticket, now they're going to miss out on a number of games because of this vaccine passport nonsense, and now they're getting pressured to get it just so they can go back and watch their team. Shameful. Utterly shameful, Chris. But um, is there anything else that you want to bring up before we, we shoot off? Watch a bit yeah, of I'm, not... <laughs> I'm good to go. I'm happy with how that one went. I definitely, as always. So until next time, guys, uh, take care and we will see you soon. <laughs>